Welcome to Street Knowledge with Chris Graham. Welcome to the podcast. I am Chris Graham. It's a rainy Sunday as I'm recording, at least here in the Shenandoah Valley, I think Central Virginia, most of Virginia getting a, a good soaking of rain. We've had about two inches here in Waynesboro as I'm recording here just after lunchtime on Sunday. We'll talk sports here on this podcast. Um, we're less than three weeks away now. Let's see, three weeks, actually less than two weeks away now. <laughs> Time is flying this month in August. Less than two weeks away from the start of the college football season. Um, for the local teams, uh, Virginia Tech opens on Friday night, September 2nd at Old Dominion, which will be an interesting game. Last time the Hokies visited uh, ODU, uh, the Monarchs came away with a surprise shock upset 49-35 win. That's been, well, it's been a few years ago, 2019, I think it was. Uh, Virginia opens uh, on September 3rd, Saturday, with uh, Richmond and uh, new new co- both, both both programs of new coaches, Brent Pride, Virginia Tech, and Tony Elliott at Virginia. Um, we'll focus on Virginia here in this podcast. We'll talk some Virginia hoops as well, and even get into a little bit of behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, TV deals and that kind of thing. So uh, first, we'll, we'll talk some UVA football here. Uh, we've had some some pieces on the site this week. Uh, looking at both uh, in depth, looking at the offense and the defense. Let's start with the offense. The offense is the unit that uh, UVA fans are, are hopeful will will help carry this team to a good first season for for the new coach Tony Elliott. Uh, but big question mark uh, on the offensive line and uh, the the offensive coordinator, new offensive coordinator, of course, Des Kitchings, uh, talking this week with reporters after practice. It was after Tuesday's practice he was made available to to reporters. And um, he wasn't happy that day. Uh, talked about how they'd had a terrible practice. And um, the, the, the big issue is that offensive line. You know, they lost everybody from last year's offensive line. It was a, a unit that had uh, was among the most experienced offensive lines in all of college football. And a couple of those guys moved on to, to uh, uh, trying to extend their careers in the NFL. And the rest transferred out, including Oluwatimi, second-team All-American center. He's at Michigan now. Bobby Haskins at USC, um, trying to think else. Ryan Swoboda is at Central Florida. Um, and I'm forgetting where – oh, no, uh, Joe Bissinger went to SMU, and Joe Bissinger was was a, a reserve. He started a few games. They've lost everybody. And so um, it's, it's, a, it's a unit of, of new guys. And um, not only is it a unit of new guys, but Kitchings was talking uh, this week with reporters about how uh, because of various issues, you know, injuries here and there, some illnesses, uh, the the unit has not been able to get consistent reps with guys in consistent positions. They've got seven guys that they've identified as guys that they want to be able to play the bulk of the snaps this year if they can stay healthy. And and just for reference, that's uh, pretty much what was done last year. So that's not out of the ordinary. Don't be too alarmed if you hear, oh, they only got seven guys. That's, you know. If you're healthy, if you can keep the guys healthy, seven guys is what you tend to work with. You have, you know, four or five regular starters, and you have a couple guys who can kind of switch positions and move around uh, as case cases kind of pop up. But Kitching said that that this year's group has, uh, the, the, so far in training camp at least, they've just not been able to get guys consistent reps at consistent uh, positions. And so the problem there is then, you know, say, for example, you're the right guard or the right tackle. Uh, you know, not only do you need to worry about what you're doing, but what the guy next to you is doing. And, 
you know, if you're the guard, also what the center's doing, you're sort of in between there. And if, if the guy beside you isn't there every day beside you, you're not able to kind of work out, uh, you know, w- what your responsibilities are uh, within a you know, certain blocking scheme or anything else. Uh, and that can be tough. And also, I mean, gosh, that, that unit last year had so much experience. Uh, the, the holdover at offensive line coach, Garrett Touje, um, he is, uh, he was from the Bronco Mendenhall staff and he stayed on with the staff with Tony Elliott, you know, he, he wasn't teaching as much as he was like kind of doing master's level stuff with those guys. And, you know, uh, Oluwatimi as center was, was so adept. He'd been in that program for so long that, that, uh, he was able to make a lot of the line adjustments on his own, uh, without, you know, needing the coaching, so to speak. And those guys could kind of work out as much as they could on the sidelines in between series, uh, as they needed coaching from coach Tuje. Now, you know, you, all these guys are learning and, and this is going to be a problem for this offense. I mean, you got a record setting quarterback, Brennan Armstrong threw for 4,400 yards last year. You've got all those great receivers, Dontavian Wicks, Keith on Thompson, Billy Kemp, and, and, and then the Lavelle Davis and, uh, uh, Starling. I mean, there's, there's guys, there's depth at, at receiver, but if you can't block enough, you're not going to be able to, to, uh, you know, easily get the ball. You don't want Brennan Armstrong running for his life back there. Um, also an issue is, is at, at tailback. Now tailback for Virginia has been run, the running game in, in general has been uh, because under the previous offensive coordinator, Robert and I was now at Syracuse. It was, it was de-emphasized, you know, last, you know, the last couple of years, the, the leading well, the last three years, if, if we go back to Bryce Perkins final season, uh, the, the quarterback has been the leading rusher uh, for this team. Um you know, so there's not a lot of guys who've got, had a lot of work uh, back this year. Mike Collins was expected to be the guy uh, to, to step into the RB1 role, if you want to say. Um, but Hollins is being pushed by a walk-on, Paris Jones, uh, to a point where, you know, Tony Elliott last week and then this week does Kitchings, both saying that Jones is looking like the guy who's working hardest to, to get that job. And whether or not that's just coaches using the media to kind of get Mike Collins to um, work a little harder, you know, and Hollins will be the guy that starts uh, the, you know, he'll be out there in the first series for Richmond and start the games and get the bulk of the carries and bulk of the work. Or if this is true and Hey, you know, we're not just using Jones to motivate Hollins. Jones is the guy. There's also the Miami transfer, Cody Brown, a former four-star recruit, Ahmad Faustin, a record setting uh, running back from uh, Georgia who enrolled last year in the spring and then didn't get any, any snaps, even on special teams last year. Um, those are the four guys, Ronnie Walker, uh, a transfer from Indiana, I think is now practicing. Uh, he's, he's been in a walking boot for, for months. And I think he's finally back out there uh, at least conditioning and, and should be available. I'm hearing, I think in late September. So, um, but that's the situation there, you know, Tony Elliott, uh, coming from Clemson where they were a, close to 50-50 offense, even though, you know, you think of Clemson scoring all the points and you would assume that they threw the ball a lot to get there. Um, you got to remember, he had a two-time ACC player of the year and Travis Etienne, a running back, uh, in addition to having Trevor Lawrence there, you know, for for a few years, those two guys together. So um, he likes to to mix in the run in the pass and, you know, offensive line will determine that and the ability of the running backs will determine that as much as anything else. So we'll see how things go from that perspective. Defensively, so offensively, um, the, the headline I had was Kitchings offers bleak assessment of Virginia offense. Um, reality check there. And then defensively, 
John Rosinski worried about Virginia defense getting off to slow starts. That's what, what the, the talk this week uh, with him was. Uh, Rosinski, the uh, coming on f- formerly the uh, defensive coordinator at Air Force, where he led some great defenses. And using a similar um, defensive approach um, as uh, Bronco Mendenhall's staff did at UVA, he calls his the 3-4 stack. The Mendenhall group called theirs a 3-3-5, but essentially they're very similar, very similar kind of defenses uh, in how they approach things. So the, that's good news that the guys recruited to play the Mendenhall defense are largely going to fit right into to what Rosinski does. Um, but one thing he's talked about, uh, he was concerned with this week in practice, is that the defense is getting off to slow starts. And that was a problem last year, big problem last year. If you remember, you know, that offense putting up all those huge numbers, uh, a lot of it was because they were playing catch-up. Uh, UNC gained, scored 21 points, gained 239 yards, and that 59-39 win in Chapel Hill in September – BYU put up 226 yards, 21 points in the first quarter in what became a 66-49 win. Um, the Wake Forest game, Wake Forest uh, scored a couple times early and, and put the offense on the, uh, you know, s- sort of, you know, having to play catch up again. Um, that happened a lot in, in defeats last year and even in a couple of victories. The offense, you know, the Louisville one is what I'm thinking of there where the offense really had to play and, and, and you know, stage a, a, a stunning comeback in the fourth quarter on the road down there at Louisville. Uh, so, um, so getting off to slow starts an issue, uh, and you know, it's, it's the the one thing about having guys back, a lot of guys back is that those guys are the same guys last year that had these issues. So that's going to be the issue for John Rudzinski. I mean, in in addition to just positionally, um, linebacker, there's, there's, you know, Nick Jackson, but who's, who's, he should be a, a first team. He should have been a first team all ACC preseason choice, but wasn't. Uh, at middle linebacker led to conference and tackles last year. But other than that, there's, there's a lot of uncertainty at linebacker. Uh, same thing on the defensive line, same thing in the secondary. Uh, there's, there's a lot of question marks on the defense. So boy, you know, I know the schedule's favorable. I've talked about this a lot. I've written about this a lot. Uh, the schedule looks fa- favorable. And if this team can answer some of those questions, not even necessarily answer them. Great. You don't need a great defense. You don't need a great offensive line, just a passable m- group there. Um, and I think Virginia can get off to a hot start, and then who knows, momentum uh, being what it could be, get, get these guys to gel. And that four-game stretch in October and November, the four home games, I think which starts with uh, – I think it starts with Carolina, but I know Carolina, Miami, Pitt, and Coastal Carolina all back-to-back-to-back-to-back to back to back to back, uh, in late October into, into November. Um, if Virginia can, you know, parlay th- that very favorable schedule into uh, – six and one start five and two start even, you know, they, they could, they could, you know, be a player late in the season, but uh, they do have a lot of questions to answer as far as that goes. Uh, let's turn our attention quickly to basketball. Um, Virginia concluding its tour of Italy. Uh, they get to make these trips once every four years. Virginia had been scheduled to make its most recent trip overseas in 2020 canceled by COVID. So 2022, they, they get to make the trip overseas. It's a bonding experience and really well-timed from Tony Bennett's perspective. Um, he's got uh, his top six minutes getters from last year back, plus a, a highly touted transfer and then Vanderplas, and then the, the, the great recruiting class uh, for prep, uh, four stars. Uh, great opportunity to, you know, to, to practice ahead of time, go overseas, play some games, also just bond a little bit uh, when they're visiting all the, the sites in Italy. 
Um, but there were the first couple of games were against overmatched opponents. Virginia won by 52 in one game. They won by somewhere like 33 in the second game. And then the third game against KK Megabasket, a, a loaded uh, program that uh, includes, I mean, guys in their mid 20s. <laughs> um, but also it's uh, uh, a program that uh, has, has developed a lot of NBA draft picks over the years. And there were NBA scouts in attendance. Uh, to take in uh, some of the the, the the top players from KK Mega Basket, um, they 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 handed it to Virginia in the first game. Ninety two seventy three uh, was the final. The games are were being played by international rules, so four ten minute quarters, twenty four second shot clock, which we'll eventually see in the NCAA. I, I think sooner rather than later. But um, so don't be too alarmed by that ninety two. And then um, after that game, uh, the way Coach Bennett was approaching things was he was he was leaving three guys sort of uh, in street clothes each game he wanted to play a 10-man rotation get a lot of looks at a lot of different guys and just the way it worked out um three of the starters from last year's team Armand Franklin Jaden Gardner and Caden Shedrick uh were to be uh in, in street clothes for this final game on Friday uh and so that meant a lot of playing time for the young guys uh Isaac McNeely uh Isaac Trout who who did really well in in his uh uh, games out there in Italy. Um, Leon Bond and Ryan Dunn all got good minutes. Uh, Tane Murray, a sophomore, got some good minutes in this game. Uh, and Virginia won the game, actually uh, led throughout uh, a big rally at the end of regulation, forced the first overtime. Uh, the teams went to a second overtime. Virginia won 94-87 and two OTs. And uh, so big, big games for the freshmen, uh, particularly Isaac McNeely, uh, 15 points in the game, but also then some fans won't like hearing this for some reason, but Kihei Clark had a big game, 23 points. People are like, ah, you know, Kihei, we don't want Kihei. Uh, the key haters, anyway, had 23 points, 10 in the second overtime, um, and then Reese Beekman, 21 points, five assists. And so Virginia finishes the trip three and one. And, you know, um, you you want a, you want to play a team like KK Mega Basket with lots of talent, uh, NBA-level talent, uh, and then, you know, hey, they, they, they thumped Virginia in game one and Virginia came back in one game, too. And that says a lot. That's that's a you know, this KK Mega Basket team, uh, they, they play a, a, a preseason schedule of, against some NCAA teams. A couple of years ago, they beat uh, Texas Tech 2020 right after Texas Tech had um, uh, played in the national championship game against Virginia and, and they beat that team. Uh, in an exhibition game, so this is a, this is a program that that usually plays these top teams well, and uh, Virginia got the win. Now, the other note was Tony Bennett got a technical foul. If if that if that doesn't tell you how uh, much into the games he was, uh, the the first two games maybe not so much, but the the he he was uh, he was definitely um, competitive <laughs> in, um, in 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 the f uh, final game on Friday, and and what a good trip for Virginia basketball. And now, of course, they'll come back home. Uh, students are moving in this weekend, so the kids, uh, they were they were back. Uh, they're on grounds now, and uh, they'll be doing skill work and such until practice starts first week of October. Uh, a lot of expectations for, for UVA basketball this year. Uh, let's transition real quick. We'll talk about the Big Ten football deal as we wrap up the show today. Um, and how, how does this play into uh, ACC, and how does it play maybe into Virginia? Well, the Big Ten finalized a $1 billion a year deal um, across three networks, Fox, CBS, NBC. 
And what this will do is it'll speed up the process for which the through which the, the Big Ten will be able to pay out a lot of money to its member schools. Uh, it's projected now by 2026 that the Big Ten will be paying out. Um, uh, what did I have? Oh, $100 million a year to its member schools, um, which will dwarf what the ACC pays out to its member schools. The ACC schools currently getting between 35 and $38 million a year. Um, as projected to go up into the mid fifties per year, mid 50 millions per year, uh, by the end of the decade, um, the sec actually gets dwarfed here a little bit too. The sec just a couple of years ago signed, uh, what at that time was a historic looking deal with, uh, ESPN, uh, working out to, uh, $710 million a year, but now they're way behind in the race, uh, as well. Um, and the ACC is just kind of playing its way into being number three. And that's that's got to be the goal now. And actually, the terms of this deal, I think, actually helped the ACC maybe in its quest to solidify as the number three in the bilateral world. Um, just because uh, NBC, as part of this deal, um, is 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 partnering. It's well planning to partner. They haven't re-upped with Notre Dame yet, but the plan was. See, Notre Dame has indicated. Notre Dame folks had apparently indicated over the summer that what they wanted to do was they wanted to read up with, with uh, NBC, but they wanted a lot more money. They, they're asking apparently for 75 million a year, they're getting about 25 million a year. So big increase, right? Triple, triple the money. Um, and uh, you know, so there were certainly some thoughts uh, that maybe if, if they couldn't get that money that, you know, they may be inclined to join a conference and the way things are going, uh, even though they're contractually obligated to join the ACC, if they join a conference, that they may try to you know, bypass that, uh, sue their way out of that, and and eventually join the Big Ten. Well, um, the fact now that NBC has decided that it's in the Big Ten game, they're planning NBC's game in, uh, of the week in this package. Well, is is planned to be a primetime game to partner with their Notre Dame game at three thirty or four thirty, whatever time it is in the afternoon. They'll play that game and broadcast that game. So. Um, this would seem to to ironically the fact that the Big Ten uh, signs with NBC probably makes it so that Notre Dame has no incentive to to try to even think about going to the Big Ten. Um, and also, uh, you know, NBC had indicated this summer, hey, if if we're going to have to pay somewhere near seventy five million a year for Notre Dame, whatever the amount ends up being, um, we are going to need to, to be able to justify that by having a second game to play along with it. Uh, and, and so there was there were feelers being put out for what NBC was calling shoulder programming. Hey, if we're going to do Notre Dame at three thirty, we need somebody in the in the prime time. And um, the ACC can't be that shoulder program because the ACC is locked into ESPN until twenty thirty six. So that opened up the possibility that it could be the Big Twelve or the Pac twelve or a combination thereof. And, and certainly a national prime time game for either of those conferences uh, would be to the disadvantage of the ACC just in terms of visibility. So the fact that it's the Big Ten, hey, the Big Ten's already got the visibility, it's already got the money, so that doesn't hurt the ACC at all. So this this seems to lock in Notre Dame as independent, and it seems to to shut out the Big 12 and Pac-12, and uh, those are two good things for the ACC. Um, still not good for the ACC is the lack of TV money. The ACC is getting $240 million a year from ESPN, which is a quarter, or less than a quarter of what the Big Ten's getting from its deal with Fox, CBS, and NBC. Um, and so that's the news there. What, what, what does that mean for Virginia? It's it just, you know, it's less, it's less money. It's, it's not just Virginia. It's everybody in the ACC, but it's a lot less money uh, coming their way. It makes it harder to compete. But uh, the ACC 
should be the third of the of the power five if we can still call it a power five i think the world's really now a power two and then there's the next three and then there's a group of five and then there's two others <laughs> there's 12 that play football um uh you know the acc is probably the solid third uh and uh, that is what it is um it is what it is that's all you can say about that so um, we'll have some stuff this week. We're going to look at more of that money stuff and, and the impact, actually, of the money stuff um, on college athletes. I think we got some insight there. Uh, working on a story, I'll just leave it that vague. <laughs> you know how the kids are dealing with all the talk um, and uh, about about what conference you're going to be in and how that may impact uh, your you know their educations and their their careers as college athletes and, and whatever else. We'll have that this week. Uh, we'll, we're getting closer and closer to the start of the college football season, so we'll have more uh, from from Virginia training camp. Um, and uh, you know, starting it's not next week because next week's technically tomorrow, but starting uh, you know the following week, we're game week. So it's uh, it's that close. It's we're finally here. We've been waiting for months to have some actual games to talk about, and we'll have some actual games to talk about. Good stuff there. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions, any any topics you want me to address, any news tips, email me at AugustaFreePress2 at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at NotChrisGram1. Um, you can Facebook message us through our uh, very popular Facebook page. Um, lots of ways to get in touch, but please, do I do want to hear what your thoughts are, your comments are, uh, questions, tips, anything else. For myself, for Augusta Free Press, for this rainy day on this Sunday. Signing off, thanks for having us here and everyone have a great day.